today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Creation itself has suffered because of the fall of man. But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What a day, glorious day that will be, when everything is going to be changed. Everything that we see in the negative, everything that we see that, again, we don't understand, everything that hurts right now, that's going to be done away with. And the older I get, the more I say hallelujah for that. Those new bodies are looking really good all the time. And you guys that are working really hard to maintain your current bodies, go for it, but I'm looking forward to the new one. Okay. When we're young, it's hard to relate to the fact that we'll be getting new bodies in heaven. As youths, we're very capable and able. To stay that way takes a lot of work. And even still, it doesn't always work. Pastor David is right there with us rejoicing that we'll all have new bodies. However, as much as we're looking forward to that, we still need to be useful here on earth. We've heard the saying, don't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Now let's share the gospel like we mean it. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 21 with today's edition of The Open Word. Don't forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord isn't slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, and it's going to come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. That is the end of everything that we see, everything that we can even grasp in the heavens and the earth. That is the total end of it, burnt up. It's like a friend of mine always said, he just doesn't worry about much. He says it's all going to burn anyway. And the reality is there's nothing that we know of that isn't going to burn. Nothing on this earth that's going to last forever. Verse 11, he says, Therefore, and this is the challenge to you and I, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, now, do you believe the word of God? That's the question. Do you believe he means what he says? Since it is going to happen, Peter says, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Why do we teach that the Lord is coming to judge his people? Why do we teach that the rapture could happen at any moment? Because, hey, we're just looking for a quick, easy out? No. It's for us to understand and know that, hey, the hour is late. And people that we know that don't know Christ 
are going to go into a Christless eternity. And you and I, even in our lives, we're going to stand before the Lord and our works are going to be judged. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. What are they going to be before the Lord? We don't have that much time to continue messing around playing church. We ought to be believers that are on fire for the things of God because we know that God's plan and purpose is being worked out. Since these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. It's actually Peter's prophecy right there, even more than John in the book of Revelation that gives us a bit more clarity as far as the demise of the earth and of the heavens right now. Peter clearly tells us that these things are going to pass away, with, the heavens are going to pass away with a great noise, that the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, that both the earth and the works that are in it are going to be burned up, that the heavens are going to be dissolved, being on fire, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Now somewhere, somehow, Between those last few verses of Revelation, you can now flip over to Revelation 21. Somehow, somewhere, between the last few verses of chapter 20, where we have the great white throne judgment, where we have Satan who is now, he had been let loose for a season after the thousand-year reign of Christ. He was let loose for a season. And then, again, Christ ended his rebellion. He's been taken. He's been thrown into that lake of fire for eternity now, tormented day and night forever and ever. And also all those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life are now in that lake of fire. Somewhere between that point and verse 1 of chapter 21, what Peter is talking about takes place, that the heavens that we know of and this earth is destroyed. Now, the thing is, you got to understand that when he's speaking about the heavens, God is wiping the earth completely out along with what is our atmosphere and even what we know as outer space. That's what he's speaking about, the heavens. Don't get the celestial or that eternal dwelling place of God. That's not what he's speaking about. For the Jew, there were three levels of heaven. The first level of heaven was the air that we breathe, our atmosphere, where the clouds are, where the rain is. That was the first level of heaven. Second level of heaven goes beyond that into our outer space, where the moon is, where the sun is, where the other stars and the other planets are. That was the second level. The third heaven was in the dwelling place of God. Now, we read about that. Actually, Paul tells us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2, 3, and 4. Paul says that I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether he was in the body, I don't know, or rather out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. And he says, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And that's what he's speaking about, that he was taken up to that celestial dwelling place of God. And he says, I know such a man, rather in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows, how he was caught up into 
paradise, and he heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul is affirming and confirming the fact of that Jewish mentality of the third heaven. So when Peter is speaking and when John is speaking and when Isaiah is speaking about the heavens being done away with, it is just what we know, what we can see, what we can touch. Outer space, our atmosphere, this earth. Isaiah and Peter's prophecies, John's vision, all of those, they speak of the first and the second heavens being done away with and a new heaven, a new atmosphere, and and possibly even a new galactic space. Other stars might be done. We don't know that for sure. But we do know that the stars are going to be destroyed and the sun is going to be destroyed. We are in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And John writes, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also, there was no more sea. So, again, that's kind of an interesting thing when you look at it. Not only is there going to be a brand new heaven, brand new earth, but it's quite a bit different than this current one that we're living in. Currently, about 71% of the earth's surface is water covered. And he says there's not going to be a sea anymore. How's that going to work? Don't we need that to make the atmosphere and all all that stuff? Again, how big is your God? And he's going to change everything anyway. We're not going to be like this. We're going to be different. We're going to have glorified bodies at that point in time. This is after the fact. John tells us here there's no more sea. But much more than just the physical difference that we're going to see, there's also some powerful spiritual differences. Listen to what John says in verse 2. He says, And then I, John, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Did you catch that? The new Jerusalem is coming down, prepared as a bride adorned to meet her husband. That sounds a lot like the church to me. The bride coming to meet her husband. And as a matter of fact, That's exactly what it is, and we'll see that in a moment. The church had been raptured back in the beginning of chapter 4. They've been in heaven. Now she's coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, adorned as that bride, down to the new earth, where John tells us in verse 4 that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Are you looking forward to that day? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more weariness, no more disappointments. We look for that day because this earth is full of all that junk. It's full of all that pain. It's full of all those disappointments. It's full of all that sorrow. It's full of all that weeping. It's full of all that death. We are living in a fallen creation. And the word tells us that even creation itself groans, just waiting for that new day. 
And man, I can just see that, I can understand that, that the creation itself was subject to the fall of man. And creation itself has suffered because of the fall of man. But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What a day, glorious day that will be when everything is going to be changed. Everything that we see in the negative, everything that we see that, again, we don't understand, everything that hurts right now, that's going to be done away with. And the older I get, the more I say hallelujah for that. Those new bodies are looking really good all the time. And you guys that are working really hard to maintain your current bodies, go for it, but I'm looking forward to the new one. Okay. John continues on in verse 5. He says, and then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I love that word. It is done. Like Jesus on the cross. It is finished. It's complete. I've done what was necessary to be able to obtain the salvation of mankind. Now we come to this point and we say it is done. The run, the course, the pattern, the plan, the purposes of God, they're done now for this earth. And he's starting this whole new deal. And he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts, and he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, there's a whole lot right here that we need to understand pretty clear. We'll look at it in a moment. But how many of you ever told a lie? Everybody, yeah. We could go on into the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the uh, sexually immoral, but we're not going to. We'll just take for granted that probably all of us, if not most of us, are guilty of some, if not all, of these things here. But he just said they'll have their part in the lake which burns with fire. Hold on to that thought for a moment. Here in this passage, we see John who is in a present time frame, okay? For John, he was in the present of his time frame. And he's seeing all of these events through the Lord giving him this vision. He's seeing these things as future events that are happening down the road. That again, you got a thousand years there that he's looking from whenever the beginning of the millennial reign comes. And that's after the seven years of tribulation. And that's after the time that all of that begins. So you understand that John, though he is in a present world, he is seeing future, correct? God is speaking to him in both present, future, and past tense. Why? Because God doesn't live in any tense. He lives in the eternal present. So past and future and present are all the same to him. So as we look at this, some of these things he's saying, it's like, okay, that's future. This is present. Okay, but that's past. And so you need to understand that when God is speaking these things, that's how he's going. He says, again, write these words, it's done. Well, it's not done for you and I, is it? But in God's mind, it is. It's done. He says, I'm the alpha. Well, that's the beginning. That's past. 
and the omega. That's the future. We haven't gotten there yet. He says, I am the beginning and I'm also the end. And then he tells John, he says, I will give the fountains of water of life freely to him who thirsts. But when you look at the pattern of where we're at in the book of Revelation, there's no chance for repentance at this point in time. You know, the earth has done away all the judgment. Anybody whose name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, they've already been thrown in the lake of fire. Well, what's he speaking? Well, he's speaking to John in John's present. In John's present time, God is saying to John, John, I will give to the one who thirsts freely of that fountain of living water. So you need to understand that. And he says, he who overcomes, that's future, shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. And then he gets to this very difficult part that says the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, not the snowman, but the other kind of abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is a definite and expressed difference between those who have entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and those who have not. So we need to be careful to understand that God isn't at this point in time dividing between good works and bad works here. And if you did the good works, you're going to be saved. If you did the bad works, you're, you're lost forever. What he's speaking about is the difference between those who are his, be my son, I'll be his God, and those that are not. The cowardly, the immoral, the, the abominable, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers. That's what he's speaking. He's listing here the practiced sins of the children of this world. And every one of us are guilty of some of these. You understand that. And if not, again, as I said, if not all of these sins listed here, we are truly guilty of some. And again, when a life truly comes to Christ, though, your life is changed when you come to Christ. That used to be the descriptor of your life before Christ. And what was the descriptor of your life before Christ is no longer your descriptor. It's definitely not who you are today. It may be what you do at times, but it is not who you are. You have been changed you have been born again. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. That's if that is true in your life. If conversion is true in your life, then according to God's word, you are no longer what you were. But pastor, sometimes I still do those things. We'll look at that in a moment. But listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Listen to what Paul says to the church. Do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, if that's all there was, then forget it. I'm cooked. But then again, my righteousness is not found in me. My righteousness is found in me in Christ. He goes on here. He says, don't be deceived. 
neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to what he says. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Guilty? Amen. But my guilt has been paid for by Christ. That does not then free me to go ahead and become a thief or covetous or a drunkard or a reviler. That doesn't free me. But what that says is the consequences, the eternal consequences of my sin were placed on Christ. I have been washed. I've been sanctified, set apart. I have been justified. He justified my sin, justified my life by taking it upon himself. Paul is really very clear here. He lists the sins. This was the essence of who we were outside of Christ. But when we came to Christ, the essence of our very nature and our very life changes. That's born again. We're not the same. But I still sin, Pastor. Yes, you absolutely do. We're going to have a time of counseling a little bit later for those of you who still sin. But we'll look at that in just a moment. We become the very children of God when we are converted, when we change, when we are born again. When we by faith put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we repent from our sin, we turn to Christ, we surrender our life to him. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It's not just deciding to be spiritual or churchy or whatever you want to do. No, it is a new life experience that has to take place in an individual's life. And it's then that you are washed, that you are sanctified, that you are justified. Peter, remember, he acted cowardly in that courtyard on the night that Jesus was betrayed. But you know what? He wasn't a coward. He was a child of God. We look at the situation. David committed adultery. And David murdered Bathsheba's husband. We understand that. We know that. But the essence of who he was was a child of God. But he failed. But praise God, in our failure, it doesn't bring condemnation. Conviction? Absolutely. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and brings conviction. And he says, you're my child. Why are you living like that? You're my child. You ought to be living your life for my glory. And sometimes, yes, he does bring us to the woodshed. He will take us to the woodshed. And for all of those of you who are under 30, he'll discipline us, okay? That's what that means. He will take care of the situation for us. He disciplines us back to himself to reconcile us back to himself. And on and on we could go, not only Peter, not only David, we could go through that whole roll call of the faithful that's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And every one of these guys just, and gals, you see where they've messed up and they've messed up and they've messed up. But you know what? 
they were children of God. They were men and women of faith who, on occasion, blew it. Thanks for spending your time with us today on The Open Word. If you were encouraged by this time together, learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available, or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about The Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through the open word. There really is something deeply refreshing about being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about him every time I open the Bible, but he's given me the great privilege of sharing his love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and well, across the world with the gospel. We're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord. Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.